Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, g'day, welcome. This is the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg. This is episode 98 of the show with Laura Wells. Uh, find her on Instagram. She's at I am Laura Wells, W-E-L-L-S. She's not really on Twitter that much. Thank you so much for being here. If you're new, welcome to the show. There's 97 other episodes for you to check out. You can find them at osherginsberg.com. That's where all the, all the episode lives. The last 50 are on iTunes and the podcast app of your choice. So, Please subscribe, and that way I'll arrive in your phone magically in your pocket while you sleep on a Monday or a Sunday if you're in the North American area. I hope your week was good. Thank you, everyone that watched The Bachelor this week. We're doing humongous numbers. Like, it's amazing. I haven't, and and the, the only way I can judge it, like, yes, there's overnight numbers and overnight ratings, which are incredible, but there's also the way that people approach me and on the street, and I haven't seen this kind of, hey, how you doing, since the second season of Australian Idol 10, 11 years ago now. So it's amazing and it's wonderful. And I know it doesn't last forever, so I'm enjoying it while it is because it's, it's really love. It's, it's, it's really lovely. I, I, I saw myself t- trending on Twitter the other night when we were on air. I was number two, the number two most talked about thing nationally for about 20 minutes. Wild. Wild. Anyway. You got to enjoy these things while they happen because, you know, then they go away. Um, look, I did want to share something with you. And at the risk of sounding like an old man who already needs glasses so we can do this podcast so I can see, um, I went and did something that I've been meaning to do for a very, very long, long time this week. I finally went, I finally got tested, and I finally got fitted and received and am now wearing my very first pair of hearing aids. Yeah, hearing aids. Uh, 25 years of rock and roll, TV, radio, DJing, all of that have led me to have 
um, profound hearing loss, high-end hearing loss in my left ear and significant high-end hearing loss in my right ear. So that means I can't hear the letter S or the TH sound or the F sound. They all sound the same. It's very hard to hear consonants, K, T, P. They all sound the same. D, they all sound the same. I can't tell if it's a D or a B a lot of the time. Uh, and I've been living like that for a while. And because I was living alone, I didn't really notice it. But now I've been living with uh, my girlfriend and her kid. Um, I really notice it. And they, you know, get annoyed that they have to say everything twice. So the other, other day I went and got hearing aids. And I now wear hearing aids. And so far it's been okay. It's only been a couple of days. But I didn't do the cochlear implant face when you hear things for the first time. But when I put them in and turn it on, suddenly the audiologist who I was working with she went from sounding like she had a lisp to I can now hear her S's. And that was pretty bonkers for me because I've been walking around thinking everyone's got a lisp the last few years. Um, but I now hear everything. I hear paper rustling. I hear the sound of my fingers touching my iPhone screen. My keys jingle. It's really wonderful. It's really, really wonderful. Though it is intense. I won't lie. When I take them out at night and I go back to what my world was, um, there is a sense of relaxation because I've, it's a bit of sensory overload, to be honest. Um, but what I would say to you, I would say this to you, don't be me, all right? Don't be 41 and have to get hearing aids. Wear earplugs when you go to gigs. Turn your headphones down. Trust me on those two. Trust me on those two. I'm 41. And in the words of an ENT guy that I went and saw a while back, I've got the hearing of what he described as a 75-year-old boilermaker who never wore hearing protection while he was working at the foundry. That's the kind of hearing that I've got. So don't be me, all right? Don't be me. Um, anyway, they're nifty pieces of technology. They're, they're pretty fantastic. They, they can pitch shift the higher frequencies that I'll never hear again down into the frequency range that I can hear, which is, is pretty mind-blowing, and it does it live in this tiny little machine in my ear. So now, I guess, if you say hello to me on the street, hopefully I won't seem like I'm rude and ignoring you. If you ever did that and I just kept looking ahead, it's because I didn't hear you. So <laughs> uh, hopefully this time around I'll be able to say hi. So that'll be nice. Anyway, let me tell you about my guest this week, uh, Laura Wells. Laura Wells, is a, she's a slashy. She's an environmental scientist slash full-time plus-size model. Yeah, that's her job. You can find her on Instagram at I am Laura Wells, I-A-M-L-A-U-R-A-W-E-L-L-S. Laura's made a career out of being curvy, sometimes not curvy enough, which we'll get into later on. Laura has some very, very interesting things to say about body image, the mainstream perception of anything larger than a size zero body, and what actually is a healthy weight. Laura is also an environmental scientist, and we have a great discussion about kind of everyday things that you and I can actually do to actually shift the dial around that conversation. So come with me to a Wednesday afternoon in my kitchen in Bronte in Sydney for a cup of tea with the lovely and funny and, and smart and clever. And, you know, she's a model, so she's beautiful. Um, Laura Wells. Um, and in the middle of it, my girlfriend comes home. So yeah, you'll hear my girlfriend coming home. <laughs> Enjoy. 
All right, so I'm rolling. She made Play-Doh. Oh, cool. Because she's home from school. She made Play-Doh. Um, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for coming. Right. I'm glad I could talk to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny that I'm actually in the country or have time to, to do anything, like scratch my butt. No, oh, really? Yeah. Why? Well, you know, you, you have one of these jobs that is, is quite, it's rare. It is a full-time job, but the amount of people that do it are few. The job that you have. Definitely. And my job is. Which is, which is kind of kind of interesting. Well, you're a super person. And, you know, it's just difficult to be a super person. Did you, did you grow up in Sydney? Yeah. Grew up in Cronulla. Um, yeah. Beach sort of lifestyle, sporty, four kids in the family. Really? What number are you? Number one. Oh, I'm number two. Yeah. Of four. Yeah. I'm two of four. What's it like being number one of four? Um, I don't know if I've ever really thought about it. I think it's just normal. Yeah. Yeah, paving the way. <laughs> <laughs> what was how? When did number two turn up? How old were you? Oh, I was only sixteen months. So we're all Ooh, really Irish twins. Yeah, we're um, four and five years. So right, we're all pretty close. Yeah. So you were cool when number two showed up? Yeah, I just had to fend for myself. Wipe your own ass. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. My my brother and I were very close. We're twenty three months, not quite sixteen. Oh, yeah. We're twenty three, but yeah, it was always very. We got so close together. Yeah. It was just a lot of similar energy. Yeah. In the in the house at the same time, we're also boys and therefore somewhat wolven, <laughs> <laughs> Some, somewhat somewhat territorial. For folks who aren't from Australia who are listening to this from overseas, how would you describe Cronulla? Um. Probably one of those quintessential, stereotypical Australian beach towns. <laughs> um, the blonde hair, blue eyes, tanned people living outdoor life, surfing, um, rat bags, lots of swearing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think it's Cronulla still has that flavour in Sydney as well because it's that southern part of Sydney and it's a little bit isolated. People don't normally go there unless they're from there. And um, I guess some people call us hobbits. We're the Shire hobbits because we're called the Shire. Um, and so people think that we never leave. And most people who grow up there move away for a period of time and then move back or they never leave. Right. Yeah. So were you? A, it was just home, I'm sure, when you grew up there. But yeah. when you travelled, oh, I've been down there and I've been frightened by it because <laughs> it really is. It's that it's uh, that – well, I grew up – I was – very, very big when I was a kid. I peaked out at 112 kilos when I was 17 so, and I was in Weight Watchers when I was eight. So yeah. I was terrified of the beach yeah. because it meant having to take my clothes off yeah. or swimming in a T-shirt um, and I was so big that, you know, when I would be in the surf and the T-shirt would rub on my nipples and I'd bleed. It was awful. Oh. It was awful. It was awful. So the beach was terrifying at first but then to go and be around all these full-on alpha surfer kids yeah. was even way scarier. Yeah. I couldn't deal with it. And I, there's still, I've, well, there's definitely still that culture there and I think there always will be in Australia in general. But, um, I mean, I guess you get older and you get over it, don't you? But when did you, <laughs> did you travel away to other parts of Sydney and go, oh, this is different? Um, yeah, I mean, we grew up, you know, mum and dad took us wherever and we travelled a lot for sport and everything. So, uh -huh. um, no, I just... Sydney, 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 but I mean, Cronulla to me is awesome. I, I moved back there now. Um, <laughs> I am one of those hobbits. And, but for me, it's the coastal life. It's that just being near the ocean and the national park. And we live right now, I live inside the national park. It's a 
second oldest national park in the world. And um, it's amazing. It is like blow your mind, just being on a holiday kind of life. Which one of those little villages do you live in? Main bar. Right. Now, if I'm not mistaken, these places were founded somewhat in the 20s, yeah. 1920s during the Depression. Yeah. And then it was inside the National Park. People went, we can't afford to live in Sydney, so we're just going to go make a, a little squat. Yeah. And then after the Depression, well, well, you may as well, it's freehold, you can keep it. Because I, I cycle around there quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it's a bit scary sometimes when the surf is good because people are hammering oh, to yeah. get home yeah. on those and windy roads. Yeah, windy roads through the park. It's... Um, I mean, I love it going home because I just drive out, like tune out for 20 minutes, mm. nice serenity. But, yeah, um, tourist drivers, now that I can say that, that I'm a local, bloody tourist, um, they are the worst and there's a lot of accidents around there. So. It's quite isolated out there though. Yeah, but I love it. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, true of it. There's no store it. out there? Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. a store yeah, out there? Yeah, there's a few restaurants and, and stores and post office and everything. Uh -huh. And you can get the ferry there from Cronulla. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Otherwise, I mean, it's really not that big a drive. From where I was living in Cronulla before to there, it's maybe an extra half an hour, 25 minutes to the city. Okay. It's cool. What a, but an incredible, you know, you can't really live like that anywhere else in the world, can you? Not not really. I mean, not that close proximity to a huge city, hmm. um, airport, and then the coastal and forest at the same time. Essentially wilderness yeah. where bush meets beach. It really yeah. is, yeah. Like I wake up to the huge stags at my doorstep with their – antlers just looking at me <laughs> and it's it's awesome that's what you go out to to your car in the morning so it's fun <laughs> far out so are your folks still with us yeah, yeah 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 what do they do um my dad runs a retirement village and my mum works for a medical company so they always did yeah dad used dad was a cop though when i was growing up so Whoa. he was that and he was a stereotypical 80s cop you know mustache yeah oh, oh yeah damn cop mustache when he shaved it off i cried <laughs> Who are you? Yeah, that's what I said. You're not my dad. Um, because that cop moustache was, you know, that was our life. That was him. And then he shaved it off and I had no idea. But, um, yeah, he got out of the cops when I was um, starting high school. So he's been in for years. But he still had the cop voice when boys would turn up to take you out, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Was he intimidating? Is he that big cop? He's, size oh yeah because i've changed the height regulations but there was a time when you couldn't be a cop no, if you yeah, were huge he, exactly so he joined in that period but um no he's a gentle giant really yeah he didn't scare <laughs> the boys that came to take you out uh no not really i mean he'd he'd i guess covertly give them the third degree but they didn't really know so and i'm sure behind the scenes he was you know doing weird internet searches that i had no idea about so, <laughs> so i was thinking about when i was getting ready to interview you um, I thought, because we are, I'm, I am older than you, and I thought there was a time, because I look at, I'm, you know, I live with my girlfriend and she has a, a kid who's 11 now, and I see the pop music that, that she watches, and I look at the videos and I'm like, I look at them very, very differently <laughs> now. Why is she uncovered? Why is well, partic yeah, yeah, particularly <laughs> when it comes to, you know, the way women look and the way women are portrayed and how mm -hmm. this, and the sexuality has always been peddled by pop stars, but... Good gracious. Yeah. You know, I am in my dad cardigan this afternoon, <laughs> but, you know, it is. So I remember you would have been a teenager when it was, well, no, young. You would have been like 8, 9, 10 when it was like Britney, Christina, that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably, um, yeah, end of primary school, start of high school because I, would, you know, listened to them yeah. when I was year 7, 8, so 13, 14. Yeah. But, so, but when you're a kid, what kind of conversations go on at school around what these girls are wearing in the videos and their bodies and God, things like that? I don't 
taking you back. Well, I always wondered. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, because I guess boys don't really go. That football's got a really good rig. <laughs> we don't. We just go. He was good at playing ball. Exactly. It wasn't about what he looked like. No. Whereas for women, it's complete opposite. It doesn't matter about their talent. You wouldn't. Most people wouldn't have said, "Oh yeah, Christina Aguilera's voice is amazing." It was, "Damn, she's got some sweet tits." Like, that's what it was about. It wasn't. <laughs> it, it was all about her body. Having met her. <laughs> That's the last thing you look at. You are, my God, you're so small. Your head is enormous. That's what you think of when you see her. Her yeah. head is normal human head size, but the rest of her is so small. There you go. See, and you would never, that just shows you the power of media and Photoshop and everything like that because no one would ever know that unless they met her face to face. Yeah, she's a, an incredible voice. Yeah. Incredible. That, that's the thing. And I guess um, I guess when I think back at it, it was always like, oh, yeah, I want to look like her. I want to. Really? Yeah, but, I mean, I probably didn't vocalise that as much. Um, and I wasn't really, like, never really been a big person into fashion or high-end brands or anything. For me, it was more about um, just being comfortable and mm -hmm. happy in myself. But, um, yeah, I guess it was kind of, that was the stigma and stereotype of the day. It was like, you know, oh, yeah, they're, they're good looking, they're hot, let's be like them. So, mm -hmm. yeah. No, I never really got there. <laughs> but surely there were other girls at your school that were. Oh, totally, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what happens when you're that age. You're trying to find yourself and all those external influences that you're bombarded with, well, that's what you gravitate to. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're hearing that the most and you're not getting, you know, people that age aren't listening to their parents and it doesn't really matter what their parents say anyway. Even if it was the best advice, you're probably not going to listen to it or realise it until later on. So it's all those external influences and at that age you're just so perceptive to everything that you're being hit with but you're not really open to it and realising the effects that it has on you. Yeah. Um, but at that age for me, man, like I um, was the same size I am now. So I was, you know, like I wasn't obese, I wasn't fat, I was just a big girl. So How I tall were you? Uh, five foot ten. You're five foot ten at 14. God. Yeah, 13, damn. 14. So I didn't grow after that. But so I was always Big Wellsy <laughs> to um the That was your school. nickname? Yeah, Big Wellsy. Wow. And um Did you do that I was a foot shorter a year ago run <laughs> when you ran? Did everything just kind of go everywhere like a giraffe? No, I was never the gangly type. That's my sister. Uh she got the uncoordinated part and I got the sporty. Yeah, I'm not I'm not long and lanky. I'm just bigger, bigger. <laughs> and she, yeah, my sister was the long lanky giraffe girl <laughs> right but um yeah for me so being that size at that age I guess I was um always very judgmental on myself but I felt like I didn't really fit into what was perceived as that Britney you know Christina look because I was never that size I was just and for me to get that small was just never going to happen <laughs> um and even to this day I've never been smaller than what I am now so it's just it, it would take a lot of hard work and and I'm not actually into that. I'm into the hard work, but I'm not into having to look like something that I, my mm. body doesn't want to be or I don't need to be. So when you were, I mean, now you're very comfortable with it, mm. clearly. Yeah. But at the time, I'm assuming oh, it was a bit difficult. Yeah, totally. I used to cut the labels out of all my clothes so people wouldn't know I was a size 14. And I was really embarrassed about it. It was, um, I guess, that stereotype, and it still exists today, where a size 14, size 16 is seen as quite large because it's the end of mainstream fashion they're the highest sizes you can go to so for me being at that size I guess I kind of thought oh shit I'm already here like do I where do I go next or what can I wear next if I get any bigger um so for me it was um 
yeah, it was really kind of a tough time and um, my mum won't listen to this, but she, <laughs> hopefully she won't or she'll kill me. But at that stage she um, had said to me, well, if you're going to get any bigger, I'm not going to buy you any more clothes. So because of that whole perceived notion of, well, if you're going to be, if you're going to get to size 16, 18, 20, like where are you going to stop? What's healthy? What's unhealthy? But for me, size 14 was just my natural size. I was just, that's me. Um, and, yeah, I'm definitely not ashamed of it anymore. And hopefully girls that are that size and that are healthy and happy and, you know, they're out there doing their thing and they're playing sport, then just embrace it because, you know, for me it was normal. But you're saying it, you weren't, you're embarrassed by it. So oh, it, was totally it wasn't normal for you at the time. Not at the time it wasn't. But that was, I think that was because, um, well, I guess at that time social media wasn't around. No. Um, and see the only images I never saw a plus size model in the in the media ever um ever and I can't ever remember a time even knowing about plus size modeling or seeing any curvier figures that you could aspire to so everything everyone that we saw was super super skinny um and yeah for me I I had no one that I could relate to no one body wise in the media where we were getting you know I'd get tv hits magazine and have the posters on my wall and no dudes but you know, mm. they weren't chick posters, but the girls that were in them, they were all thin. There was no one that looked remotely like me. No one had boobs, no one had a butt, no one had curves. They were just straight up and down. And um, Yeah, so that's why I, I guess I felt a little out of place and a lot of my friends were a lot shorter than me. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, you know, a lot of them probably were around size 10, 12, so we were all fairly similar. I was just a lot taller, I guess, in general. Did a nickname bother you at all? No? No, they didn't care. I, I grew up and um, a lot of my friends at school were male. Oh. I just seemed to get along with guys and, you know, I because I did play a lot of sport and all that sort of thing. Uh-huh. I wasn't exactly, wasn't a tomboy, but I just got along with the boys. I think, right. Because I had two brothers too. And, um, yeah, and so that was just, that was me. didn't really matter. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so when you're, when you, the, the idea that you can't be what you can't see mm-hmm. is... I guess kind of pertinent to me at the moment, particularly we were talking about the other day about diversity on Australian television. There's just a lot of white people yeah. on Australian TV. But when you go out to the real world, it's like, well, actually, no, everybody's here. Yeah. And you look back on the TV and go, well, that's only white people. And you look back out the window and go, well, there's, there's people from all over them. Well, one of these things isn't real. Yeah. All right. So when was the first time that you saw a woman, woman, like a womanly woman celebrated for being a womanly woman? Um. It probably wasn't until I started plus size modeling wow. uh, that I realized that there was a very, very small marketplace for it. Um, because when I got approached to be a plus size model, I just thought people were calling me fat. <laughs> I really wanted to punch everyone in the face that said to me, you're a plus size model. Well, let's talk about that definition because that that's what it does sound like. The name does suggest we associate plus as in bigger and yeah. the actual, the uh, character the plus sign yeah yeah as in this is the bigger version of, yeah. of what it is and so when we think bigger we think fatter yeah well that's not necessarily the case in in relation to plus size models yeah. we are plus size we are bigger than the normal size model that's what it relates to so you know for me being an Australian size 14 a US size 12 and some of most of the standard models in the US are a zero to two I'm at six seven, eight sizes bigger than those girls. So that's where the plus comes in. So plus size modelling versus 
plus size in reality is very different. Uh, and, and we tend to put that um, negative connotation on the word plus. We've given it, you know, a bad meaning where, I mean, that's open to interpretation. For me, it doesn't have a bad meaning. It's my job and I am plus sizes on those girls. Um, so it's kind of trying to help change the public's perception of that where it's, you know, it's not, I don't find it negative for me to be called plus. I see how it is in people's minds. But, um, yeah, if we break it down to it as a job title and its definition within the industry, then it makes sense. If you could change the definition, what would you change it to? Um, I mean, just a, we're just models at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, we're not out curing cancer or saving the world. But, um, yeah, it, we're models, I guess. People have thrown around the word curvy models, uh, I mean, plus size models, they're all different shapes and sizes. It's quite amazing, the diversity. in. I've heard, I've heard natural models. models as well. Yep, natural models. Um, which, yeah. I, which as a word, now I think of it, as a word, it feels far more descriptive of I have known a model or two in my time. <laughs> um, uh, models of uh, sizes that are on suitable for photography work because they're just being people in the word plus uh oh. well no she wasn't she oh, wasn't sorry. plus size she was just she was taller than me yeah. and she had gigantic shoulders <laughs> um she could never walk a catwalk yeah because none of the clothes would fit yeah. her yeah gorgeous mm -hmm. but you know what and, and I, I never really understood all that business until i until i was with her yeah um but she had, from what I was looking, had a naturally healthy yeah. body that was looked quite normal and healthy. And then I have known a model who was regular model size, mm -hmm. and I think the word waif would be more descriptive. Yeah. Well, I think it's just, you know, plus size modeling started after that realistically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so that's the name that came with it. Came with it. Mm. Um, I don't really have another name for it, to be honest. I mean, mm. curvy works, but there are girls that are curvy that are that are a size four as well. You know, that's yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I mean, I don't mind plus. It just it describes our division of modeling, mm. uh, and it's always we're always going to have a word for on it. So whatever the word is, is probably not going to be um, acceptable to a lot of people. <laughs> Do they even sell those size zero, size two dresses in shops? Yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. But how many people <laughs> buy them? I mean, they. I've been to catwalk shows. You've been to catwalk yeah. shows. You look at some of the. I look. I was in Melbourne at the Fashion Week down there. I looked at some of these girls. I was like, "Well, have a sandwich, please, <laughs> please." There's one lady that wasn't like that. Um, what's her name? Gomez. Um, yeah, Jessica. Just Jessica Gomez. Yeah. So I thought, oh, looks yeah. like she enjoys pasta. Yeah, Jess is awesome. Nice. She's got a great body, and Jess and I have worked together before. And, right. Um, yeah, she's super healthy, uh, but. If Australian catwalks are a lot different to overseas, the overseas catwalks, especially in Europe and the US, tend to use a lot skinnier girls. I'd um, say the word skeletal, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen um, legislation come in through France for Paris um, Fashion Week to say that the girls have to have a BMI. I think it's over 21, which is still really quite thin because these girls are over six foot tall. So, yeah. Um, and, you know, some girls are naturally skinny, and I totally get that. But I've seen a lot of girls in the industry that aren't naturally skinny and go to lengths to be that to get work. So, I mean. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. You mentioned <laughs> that you were uh, approached mm -hmm. to be uh, to be a model. Where, where did that happen? 
Uh, it happened in New York, actually. I was with um, my sister, who was a model, and she was. I was with my mum and my sister, and she was seeing uh, agents over there. And yeah, I kept getting asked if I was a plus size model, and honestly, I was so angry. <laughs> I'd never heard of plus size modelling, and I just was like, "Mum, everyone is calling me fat. Like, what the hell is going on?" And it wasn't until I looked into it a bit more and got back to Australia that um, I got asked again, actually, and then went and saw an agent and started working two weeks later. So it was pretty cool. I mean, I was at university and um, for me it was just a way to pay for my textbooks and, yeah, I just kind of rolled on from there. Yeah, no, the university part of what you do is I find very interesting. <laughs> uh, you did, uh, let me get this right, you did law and biology? Yep. Yeah. Now, at what point in high school, your sister's a model before you finished high school? Like you were still in high school when your sister was a model? Uh, my sister was younger than me. Yeah. And she she started modelling when she was 13. Right, so but as, a, just, as an option for you, it was like, oh, that's interesting oh, my sister does that, but I'm not interested. Oh, God, no. Never. Well, as I said, like those kind of body image issues I had growing up, there was no way I would ever, ever have, well, one, I didn't know it existed for plus-size models, and two, I never dreamed about it. I never wanted it, um, never aspired to be a model, never thought I could be. And one, I guess one of those reasons was because I never saw anyone that looked like me doing right. it either. Yeah, full on, isn't yeah. that full on? Yeah. <laughs> How many? And I. This is what I, you know. Back to the question of you know if you were happened to not be a white person in Australia and you yeah. look at the TV or you look at the newspaper or you look at the internet and all you see is white people doing things. Yeah. How are you ever going to think that yeah I can do things as exactly. well? Exactly. And um and I think that that's something that really needs to be um worked on in Australia is trying to make people feel included, especially when we have a lot of immigrants coming over and refugees, mm. we are going to find more problems with things like that if we can't find a way to assimilate them or make them feel welcome mm. or see themselves here. Yeah. So at what point in your high school life did you go, yep, yeah, university, I'm going to go do that? Um, oh, I always really loved science. I was just like a nerd for science. And I remember in year eight I got, um, <laughs> I got picked to do this like um, after-school science class every week <laughs> with the older kids. So, um, and I was just, you know, frothing on that. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. I get to cut stuff up and, you know, full on nerd out with the old kids. And um, so I always knew I really loved science and went through to um, year 12 and I only did biology. I didn't do chem or physics because I was just more interested in that and um, did really well and got into uni before I even finished high school huh. um, on early entry for um, a Bachelor of Biotechnology and then realised, nah, I don't want to do that. I'll um, I'll change and do a science degree and a law degree. I uh, figured that scientists don't make that much money, so if I do law, I can do environmental law and save the world and be a lawyer. And then, <laughs> and then I started doing my degrees, loved science. Mm, law was okay. Did, like, finished and went, there's no way I'm ever going to be a lawyer. Like, middle finger up to that. It was just not me. I couldn't be in an office. And, um, yeah, got a few jobs as an environmental scientist, but then, and modelling took off, so I kind of postponed and What's life modeled. like as an environmental scientist? Oh, it's awesome. What, kind, so of, what kind of stuff do you do? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm modelling full-time still, but um, at the moment I'm studying, I'm doing another course in carbon management, so... Um, in the next few months, starting up a business for my, uh, for I guess my life when I become wrinkly and too old to model, and t 
to work as an environmental scientist, as a carbon manager. So go in and work out um, CO2 footprints, energy plans, carbon management reduction plans um, for businesses and individuals, companies, whoever, uh, just to bring their footprint down and cut costs. And That's a very important job that you, are, that you have. Yeah, I, I'm excited about it, actually. I mean, climate change and the ocean is something that's really um, I'm really passionate and interested about. So for me to be able to actually physically get my hands in and help people change what they're doing um, is really important to me instead of just being someone on the sideline going, oh, yeah, well, that stuff's really important, but I'm, I can't do anything. So, yeah. When did the saving the world part come into your life? When Ooh. did that? How young were you? Uh, no, it only happened in the last few years. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So um, what was it? Um, I, I knew I always wanted to be a scientist and then when I moved to New York to model, I just felt like I was kind of in this zone of like just, I guess, that stereotypical dumb model. Like, oh, I'm just travelling the world and I was having a great time and meeting With people. two degrees, come on. Oh, yeah, but I wasn't doing anything. So, um, And because my plan was never to be a model and I just ran with it, which was cool, I'm so glad I did because I've met like amazing people and had amazing opportunities. Um, and the modelling was also what made me realise what I wanted to do. So if I had have just not modelled and been an environmental scientist, which would have been awesome, I still would have loved it, I would have probably been working for government or private organisation and, you know, in the field, but not being able to really get my hands dirty and help people change, whereas the modelling side's really made me see that and seen how powerful my profile is to um, really get support and encourage and educate people. So... Yeah, the modelling, I have to um, pay tribute to it. for People people tend to listen to pretty people. It's, a, <laughs> well, yeah, it's and, the truth. It's the truth of our society. Yeah, and, you know, if if I have to leverage off having big tits and big eyeballs that people want to look at, then, you know, I, I will do that to save the world. <laughs> I will warn you. I will warn you. There's a little girl who's staying home from school today <laughs> and she's in the other room. There is a swear jar in this house. <laughs> I'm, I'm onto it already. Uh, so I, just, I don't know what... Uh, I don't know if the T words in the in 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 the, in the on the on the invoice, but I've certainly contributed to earmuffs. <laughs> Usually, when my guests leave, she goes, "You owe me this. I have to pay for my for my guests." I'll yeah. leave it at the door. <laughs> no, 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 that's, that's okay. So, so you're in New York. You, you came back here. You do. You're working two weeks later. What was your first day on set like? Um, well, had you been to a set with your sister before? Had you seen how it went down? I had seen. No, not really. Um, because I was always at school when she was working because she worked all through high school basically. Um, so I had only had really limited experience to uh, modelling and I went on this job and the photographer was super cool and I just said, you know, just give me as much direction as you want, like yell at me, point at me, like grab me, do whatever. I need, I want to learn. And, um, and she was awesome. She gave me so many tips and I'll never forget um, that first shoot and then, um she was like oh actually I just want to do a few more shots with you just you know play around okay and then they had another model coming in to shoot the cover of this magazine anyway two weeks later my shot is actually on the cover (laughs) and that was my first ever shoot so it was the cover of body and soul um magazine in the Sunday paper which is really cool and then I was um playing soccer that day and I turned up and my whole team had the full-size page of the paper all pinned to the backs of their jerseys <laughs> when I rocked up. So that was um, it was kind of surreal, but it was pretty cool. Oh, that's great. Who yeah. was the photographer? Uh, her name was Elsa. Actually, I couldn't tell you her last name. But um, Elsa. I, I, I've, met, I've met Elsa. And, yeah, I know who you're was, talking about. She was so awesome. And I'll, yeah. It's lucky you got, a, you got a woman for your first shoot. Yeah, totally. That's pretty cool. And then, you know, from then I turned down 
a lot of shoots because I was like, nope, I've got to go to class. I've got to go to the laboratory and um, cut stuff up and, you know. Did you get the lab coat on? Hell yeah. <laughs> that was the best part. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah. I, so- I, don't, if, I, I don't care if you have a qualification or not. If you're in a lab coat wearing safety goggles, I'll probably believe what you have to say. Yes. Holding a clipboard. <laughs> Even better. I'll vote for it. <laughs> it's true. Do not put that on Tony Abbott. Um, so. <laughs> ah, well, except for him. Anytime he's wearing a hard hat, I'm like, nah, nah. Whatever's going about to come out of your mouth has been paid for. Exactly. That's pretty much what I think. If he's yeah. ever wearing a hard hat, I'm thinking someone else is making money off what you're about to say. He also probably wears it so that when people throw things at him. No, I don't advocate <laughs> violence to anyone. We're talking about our prime minister who's uh, famously said coal is good for humanity. Um, yeah. And gave a knighthood to Prince Philip. <laughs> this is yeah. not a paid production. Um, yeah. He's an interesting one, our prime minister. I've always wanted to interview him. Yeah, I've been really interested to see... Apparently, I've been told, I'm quite close to someone who's in the Liberal Party. I've been told, uh, sorry, for folks who are listening overseas, he's a conservative prime minister. Extremely. (laughs) Incredibly conservative, you know, super, very, very, very right wing. And, and, you know, Islam's out to get us and be away, afraid you have your children and don't leave your house because terrorists are coming and all this kind of stuff. It's very frightening, very fear-based leadership. Um, But apparently, he's extraordinarily charismatic. Really? Extraordinarily so. Because he definitely doesn't come across like that in the media. Or... Well, I think he's he's on, you know, battlefront whenever he's in a Yeah, bit, true. I guess. Yeah, you've got to defend yourself. Yeah, you but apparently he's just so charismatic. Mm. And so be I'd be interested to to see and to be around someone who I disagree with so vehemently on, a, <laughs> on, on, on so many levels. Hold me back. To see if I, no, but to see if I can connect with him as a human. Yeah, for sure. I'd be interested to know him as a human and, and see if I'd be able to rise to the challenge of mm. appreciating him as a man 40 years who probably loves his family and, and friends exactly. just as much as I do, yeah. but who has such very strange views on things that are facts, <laughs> you know, scientifically proven things that affect every single person on the planet yeah. that he yeah. just wants to perhaps ignore. Like, I don't know, if we just don't look at it, it won't be there. Exactly. I don't know. It's... Yeah, it would be interesting. Fascinating. Anyway, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I'll probably have to wait till he's out of office. Well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens. So when you finished uni, was it you said you went into work and you worked for a bit? No, I actually didn't. I just went straight. I got a few jobs. I was offered a few jobs yeah. and uh, I turned them down and had one stay on, put on hold. Um, and went straight into full-time modelling. Thought Here give, in Australia? Yeah, in Australia for a year and thought, oh, you know, give that a go. And um, it worked pretty well and then was supposed to start this job the year after and everyone said, what are you doing? Just, you know, I, I give it another shot. So um, And then I got signed in New York and London and went. How does that yeah. work? Um, agencies over there. So um, the London agent had just seen my th- my shots. How did they, yeah. they must get bombarded with stuff. How did they yeah. find your stuff? Uh, my agent here sent uh-huh. sent them over and they signed me straight away. Uh-huh. And then I went to New York and walked into an agency there. And the first agent said yes, but organise your own visa. And I kind of wasn't happy with that. And then the next agency I just went in on a whim and um, they're a really big agency, Wilhelmina, and oh, yeah. went in there and they went, who are you and where would you come from and here's a contract. Um, you know, we all organise your visa. 
Easy. Yeah, that modeling visa is the easiest one to get. A lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, I'm not saying it might be might not be that case now uh, when you did it, but I do know that I've, I've know quite a few people who went from that to another one yeah. to, to their to oh, the green awesome. card. I've, I've had, um, yeah. I'm onto my second one now, so um, it just yeah. rolls over. And I mean, getting it at first is a bit of a process, but I luckily didn't have to worry about that. They yeah, did. well, you got Wilhelmina. I'm sure they've got a, someone on staff who oh, does yeah. that kind well, of Well, I paid for it, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I paid for my green card, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> it was expensive. And yeah. three years took yeah. me to get it. Uh, so you moved to New York. Yeah. Moved. Boy, girl from Canala turns up in New York. What yeah. was that like? Hey guys. Um, <laughs> well, you've been there no before. One, what was I like yeah. living there? Oh, it was awesome. I uh, lived in Williamsburg, this little um, place in Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, extraordinarily hip. <laughs> yes. Extraordinarily hip. But um, so I felt very, um, I was an outsider there, that's for sure, because I didn't fit into those guys. I just did my own thing, but it was great. And a bunch of my good friends that I met there lived in that area. So we would, um, you know, go on road trips and go exploring and. I, it was great because I still kept my touch to nature and, you know, modelling, I was flying all around the world, but when you've got your downtime in modelling, you don't really have to do anything else. Like you're not bringing work home. You're not, you know, doing anything. And um, So we'd go hiking and we would um, work at, or volunteer with the turtles out at Jamaica Bay. And, yeah, it was really fun. And I think that's probably when I realised, hey, you've got to start using your brain and do something. So, um, did yeah. you ever live in one of those model houses? No, thank God, <laughs> thank God. I heard the worst, worst stories about those places, and yeah, I was lucky enough that another Australian model uh, was moving there at the same time, and we didn't really know each other. But I just said, "Hey, let's do this. Let's move in together," and we found an apartment and went straight in. Mm. So, yeah, no model house for me. I, oh, vomit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but so oh, you you mentioned that the only, when you're not shooting, the only thing you have, you don't really have to. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com do anything you, you do you, you have to just like not eat kfc all day you have to do well, kind of eat healthy as a plus size model um no you still have to be come healthy. on even as a plus size model you still have to be at least have a healthy look about oh, you. totally yeah and that's what um that's it's actually, not an excuse to eat anything no 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 and if i ate anything i'd probably be huge um so yeah i still actually eat really healthy and i um, work out a lot but mainly just because i love it and it makes me feel good um and yeah, so no, I mean, yeah, you you are always busy, and then there's castings, and you know, like in the morning they call you and go, oh, you've got to fly to Germany tonight. Is that all right? Like, well, okay. So you know, there is a lot of last minute sort of work, and you can't really plan a life around that. And 
you never want to book a holiday because Murphy's Law, you get a big job and then you have to cancel it. So you always are booking things at the last minute if you want to ever do anything. Or if you want a lot of big jobs, you book a lot of holidays. True, yeah. That's what they're, yeah. that's what they're <laughs> saying in LA is you want to book the job, book a trip. Yeah. It's easy, easy, yeah. easy peasy. So, so, but I'm guessing the way, was the other woman that you were flatting with, was she in the same sort of modelling? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. Robin, you, you're both wearing size 14s? Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. So I'm, I was just wondering, like, the, as long as the kitchen wasn't just some sort of weird place. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. The kitchen was always full of food and yeah. Yeah, someone but always what, in there. What about the other girls that weren't in your kind of genre of work? I mean, I'm sure you had contact with some of those yeah. girls over in New York, which is, you know, that's it's the Olympics of modelling, exactly. that or Milan or Paris, basically. Yeah. Um, you would have seen some of these girls we were talking about oh, earlier. totally. Well, we had um, a couple live with us at... Um, different times and yeah there's not well the experiences that I had and different from my sister my sister was a straight side model as well she you know she ate that was her thing she was just naturally thin um but a few of these girls that I've had experiences with don't eat it's just you know oh do you want I'm making chicken for dinner do you want some oh no no I already ate today okay I've seen you all day you haven't eaten anything or you've had like four cups of tea so and, you know, finding diet pills on the floors of the agency bathroom, like prescription diet pills and just hearing, overhearing agents tell girls not to eat because it's fashion week and they've got to be thin. And you just think, what the hell? Why are people going to this length to be unhealthy, to potentially maybe make some money because some of these girls aren't making anything, um, especially in that high-end sort of world I mean, if they're doing editorials, they're really not getting paid much money at all. It's the commercial jobs, the big cheesy grins, the avert- and then the advertising that makes the money. So um, for me, I, like it was great. I was working a lot and, um, you know, I'd even have to put a fat suit on to um, pad myself out to be bigger than what I am. They have such things? Oh, yeah, I've got my own personal one. You had one made? <laughs> yes, it's in, in my room at my house. And it puts you from a 14 to a what? Um to a 16 really I've got a really small waist so um padding out my waist is what I use like I don't always have to do it depends on the brand but yeah sometimes I'll pad my waist out um there's other girls that pad their hips pad their butt pad their boobs I mean there's some girls I know have a bag of boobs that travels with them and they get pulled up at security for having (laughs) saline boobs in their carry-on and they have to get rid of their really expensive fake boobs um (laughs) because they can't take the liquid on the plane (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's awesome. Welcome to the weird world of muddling. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, what's in that bag of boobs? Which, incidentally, was my high school band. <laughs> we were young boys. Come on. That's what we called ourselves. Bag of boobs. We're bag of boobs. With Bob. Bag of boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. What's, what, what's interesting, though, is that we're talking about, so just the cycle itself is just fascinating to me <laughs> in that. So here's. This idea of what you've got to look like as a woman if you want to be called hot. Therefore, you have to put yourself through the same torturous diet <laughs> regime that this woman who doesn't do anything except go to castings and da 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 yeah. You've got to try and hold down a nine-to-five job <laughs> yeah. and eat a cracker and three cups of yeah. tea. And look after your three kids. And yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't make any sense. No. It's ridiculous. At or, all. Or look like this celebrity who has a personal trainer seven days a week. And, chef. You know, and yeah, and a chef and a nanny to look after their kids. Like it just, it's it's not reality and people really need to realise that. And, you know, the whole world of modelling is not reality. <laughs> what you see is not what you get. 
When was the first time you saw a picture of yourself that had been altered or retouched so much you went, I don't feel good about that? Um, to be honest, in my industry, it's not so bad because they want us to look the way we look because that's what people are really um, relating to and what what they buy the brand for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not too bad. I've seen um, a couple of ones of me where they're really thinned out my arms or my thighs and well, I don't even have big arms for one. My thighs are, are the biggest part of me, but whatever, I don't care. They do. I can do everything. Like I can run and jump and swim and that's fine with me. Um, but, yeah, I just think, well, you know, you're using me for a reason. People like seeing me, so just leave it. And they usually do, which is pretty good. Or they'll just get rid of, you know, bruises where I run into the table on a number of occasions because <laughs> I'm a bit clumsy <laughs> or, um, you know, or blemishes on your skin or whatever. So, yeah, or they just – they um, I have a white birthmark, like Rogue from X-Men oh, in my hair. Oh, so you do. Yeah, it's natural. That is cool I'm as anything. And, you um, were born with that? Yeah. You really do? Yep. Wow. And um, so they retouch that. That's that's the most retouching I get it's in my hair. That is <laughs> my gray super hair. cool. You yeah. have Rogue from X-Men hair. Yeah. Um, so, and it's funny because when people see it, they're like, what? I never noticed you had that. Because like, they retouch it out all the time. You never see it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's, that's, that's interesting. How long were you in New York? Uh, I lived there for three years. So, um, yeah, and it was great. And I probably would have stayed longer, but I met my um, my now fiancé over there. And he's Australian, grew up in Cronulla as well, which was um, weird that we met over there. And, yeah, we packed up and came home. So, what was he doing over there? Uh, he was doing a security course in Arkansas and working in Afghanistan at the time. So, um, yeah, I just met him while he was there for a couple of days. Uh-huh. Military guy? Yeah, he used to be. So, oh, he's still in reserves now, but, yeah, uh-huh. he's um, He's out sometimes. Right. Who was doing contract work out in Afghanistan? Yeah, yeah. Contract soldiering? Yeah. Boy, that's some tricky stuff, that. Yeah. So um, That's tricky. That's what he did when I met him and then we went, screw it, let's go home. Does he still do the contract stuff? No, he's got his own business. Yeah, yeah that's – I was actually talking to a oh, – I do another show with Movember. Um, yeah. In Movember Radio and um, I did a show with uh, Robin Horsfall, who's a SAS – former SAS guy. He was part of the first um, – counterterrorism unit in the SAS and they ended the siege of the Iranian embassy in 1980. He was 23 or something when it happened. And um, after his military service, he tried to do a job here, tried to do a job there. He's like, uh, someone called him and said, hey, you want to come out to, you know, Sri Lanka? Yep. You know. Yeah. And, but he did, he did talk about, you know, are, are you aware of what, what your fiance's gone through? Are you aware of what he's seen? Does he oh, yeah, well, take care to let you know if you ever find me just staring at the wall? You he, know, um, he's actually like super lucky that he was in the military for nine years and was deployed to Afghan and to East Timor a few times. And and he even says he's like compared to what some of his friends saw, like he saw some stuff, but he's like, I he got it really lucky. He's very um, in touch with his emotions and um, knows when something's going on. So he um. Yeah, he is amazing. Yeah, but he hasn't PTSD for him isn't a problem. It's more tinnitus in the ears, no. which and then like having that full time twenty four seven, that's enough to drive you crazy. Yeah, I've I've, I've got it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the loudest noise I can hear in the room at any time. Yeah, it's yeah. the worst. It's, boring, yeah. it, it's it's worse if you think about it. Yeah, it's like you can't feel the jacket on your back until I tell you you can feel the jacket on your back, and then you're like, oh, I can feel the jacket on my back. <laughs> or if like you don't notice you're breathing until I tell you you're breathing, and then you go, if I don't, if I think about not breathing, I'll stop breathing. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so, well, that is lucky. That is lucky because yeah. it's it's a, you know, while I was in America, it happened. The, the statistic was more U.S. soldiers have taken their own lives. More U.S. soldiers that served in Afghanistan and Iraq have taken their own lives and died in Afghanistan. Is that crazy? And and you can see why. Um, and especially in the U.S., I find it's a bit of a different story from what I've heard compared to the Australian guys. With we how they treat our veterans a lot yeah. better. Yeah, and um. But yeah, I mean, I've I've seen people with PTSD from those, um, like from serving, and yeah, yeah you can. I mean, it, it's a terrible thing for them to go through, yeah. especially when they, you know, give up so much. They probably have some us. mates who. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, are a bit quiet. Yeah. Yeah, mate. I just hope they get help yeah. because it's it's it's, a, it's super. We we it's so far away, you know. When we we see it on the news, like some you know Australia's deployed three hundred men to Afghanistan, we go, yeah, what a lot of numbers. Hey, babe, how you doing? What? I just got home. Hi. <laughs> How's work, honey? Long. Yeah, she started at six thirty. Oh, good day. Yeah. You doing all right, baby? Jordy's. You going all right? Yeah. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, we as Australians, you know, we don't really, I don't think, my mum was a doctor for the Australian military for 15 years and so I was around the army for a long time and we don't really, I think the general public doesn't really have an idea of what it is. Like when people go, yeah, we should send the army. I was like, wait a second here. It's not just those men and women that you're asking to deal with this, it's their families yeah. oh, when yeah. they come back and the rest of their lives yeah. that are going to have to have to deal with this. Yeah, and then I think, you know, there's a stigma about the guys that join the army and then and what they do and people just don't, they just don't know. It's like having blinkers on and I feel like that's what, you don't know what you don't know. So, yeah. and that happens with a lot of things in Australia as well. Like, like, like it on, and I'm a bloody, you know, weird commie lefty sometimes. But I understand full well that I I am able to live in a safe community yeah. with clean water, power, and everything because of what a military has done in my name. Hundred percent, and um, yeah, people people would never think about that. I want to forget that. Yeah. Hurry, yeah. which is which yeah. Is Wait a second, I'm going to kiss my girlfriend. Go for it. Oh well, I should say hello. Hey, this is Laura. Hey, how you going? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Oh, sorry, See where she gets her eyeballs from. <laughs> I did have a little bit of pain. <laughs> you doing all right? She's auditioning for New Town Performing Arts next oh, week. Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah. I had a few friends up there. Really? Yeah, loved it. Well, I can't imagine that, you know, if, if... That's what you love. Yeah, if that's what you love. It's like if you are totally into engineering and they go come over to alexandria engineering high school you'd be like yeah. fuck yeah let's That's go like, you know if they had a school for biology high school i'd have been like yes every day you know wouldn't that be awesome but i think that's where the way education should go is totally like focus on like if kids love something then it should be open to them because if they hate maths and I mean I get it like you need basic maths and you need those life skills but there's a lot of stuff you learn in high school that you don't need to know no yeah it's more about it's more about we're just teaching you that your brain can work in these ways yeah um but 
honestly, for me, maths was just like. I think they should have like one on, um, you know, like what to do when you're an adult. Like you have to do your taxes and all yeah. that, like be responsible. There's so much stuff that they could be teaching. You know, what would be also would be amazing was like here's how to you know, like conflict resolution mm. in high school. Here's how not to be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Here's how, to, here's how to have a conversation with someone who's being an idiot. Yeah, exactly. So you don't get hit. Yeah. Or, you totally need that in Australia. Wouldn't that be interesting? Wouldn't that be interesting? Um, so hang on. So you're in New York and this uh, big Aussie bloke strolls into your life. <laughs> yeah, I know. Crazy. Where were you? Um, well, we actually originally met online and um, he had gone online to meet people to hang out with while he was there. And I never said I was from Australia or anything and I saw his photos and went, photos from Cronulla like this is really weird who is this guy and I wrote back and he said yeah I grew up there and so did I and we ended up Skyping for like four hours and um had mutual friends and you know like lived around the corner from each other our whole lives yeah never knew each other and then on his last day um he had he was in New York for one day and he called and said yeah come over for lunch and we hung out for about 10 hours and then he said come to the airport with me because he had to fly back to Afghanistan that night and so I went to the airport and I waved him goodbye, like one of those really sad, depressing girl movies. And um, and then we Skyped each other every day for eight weeks while he was in Afghan. And then we flew back to Australia, spent six weeks together, went, that's it, done. And he quit Afghan and I quit New York and moved back to Australia. That's a pretty good story. Now we're engaged. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But isn't that interesting how if, you know, if the relationship doesn't start, now let me guess, you were... All the online stuff and all the Skyping stuff happened before you'd met in person? We'd only, we exchanged maybe a couple of messages online and then we Skyped for a few hours and that was before we met in person. Right. But it was kind of like we already knew each other when we Skyped because we had so much like like childhood stuff. Isn't it interesting, the difference, and I'm sure you've been in relationships before, the difference in a relationship if that initial spark bonding stuff mm-hmm. has nothing to do with physicality. Yeah, totally. Isn't and, it interesting? Yeah. And, I mean, there, I guess there was a bit in a way because. Obviously, you, know, you go, yeah, I can work with that. Yeah, yeah like, this, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would. But, there were, you know, we had photos online on our um, profiles, but I really didn't give too much away of myself. My answers were absolutely ridiculous. My name was Dorothy Mantooth, like um, Wes Mantooth from Anchorman's mum and, it was just didn't say anything about me. It had no full body shots. It was just like me with a turtle or, you know, me in a tree. It just yeah. you know, no modelling at all. So, um, yeah, as much as you could see that, you couldn't really tell. And um, and then, yeah, we Skyped. So then you can only, like, see my head or yeah. the boogers up my nose when you Skype. So you can't really gauge too much besides the fact that she's got a clean nose or, you know, she's got a cold. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, then when as soon as we met, it was like, okay, Done. That's it's it, it is re, it is really interesting. There is something in that, yeah. you know. It's nice to see someone from across a bar or across a room, but you can only have, and I always say this, you can only have the first kiss once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's okay if it doesn't happen super fast. Yeah. It's okay. You can only have that first kiss once, and it's it's. I'd say the not the longer, like you know, not a year, but yeah. Let it be a little while because honestly, if you have that initial as early reaction interactions are have nothing to do with kind of physical mm-hmm. intimacy, 
It really makes things down the line actually kind of better because your initial bonding has been over something else. Exactly. And yeah, it totally helps because then, you know, well, then you know at least if those person, that person looks fade, um, you're still Which got something there. Which they all will. Exactly. Which they <laughs> yeah. all will. Yeah. Do I need to talk to Roshi? Give me one sec. This is my, yeah. my, my production coordinator. Hey, Roshi, is everything okay? Can I call you back in half an hour? Okay, sweet. Okay, bye. All right. There's been a few scheduling scenarios with Batch this year. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's good, huh? anyway. No, no, no. It's fine. It's just, you know, it's a big production. It's a big production. There's got to be 80 people on the call sheet. 80, 100 people. Yeah, on the big nights. Yeah, yeah. And so getting all those, yeah, getting everybody working in the same in the same uh, direction is... Uh, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's tricky. And anyway, and a lot of last-minute changes happen because, you know, we're shooting outside and uh, it's a cyclone, so we can't, <laughs> can't shoot outside. Well, I guess we'll uh, shoot inside. Uh, so you come back to Australia and now, now, like I mentioned earlier, there was a time in my life when I did uh, have a relationship with someone who was in, in the modelling game and mm-hmm. she was, at the time I knew her, 28, 29, and just right towards the the end of when, mm-hmm. you know, the bookings just stopped happening. Yeah. You know, the bookings just stopped happening. But it sounds like you're really very, very aware of that. Have you, mm-hmm. did someone say to you, hey, this won't last forever? And um, Yeah, I guess I kind of knew that through my sister and her side of um, the modelling industry that, you know, a lot of the girls, they get to 25 and it's like, well, no more work for you. So you later bring in the new young ones, you mm-hmm. know, bring in the fresh perky ones, please. Um mm-hmm. And so for me, and I knew it was never going to be a full-time career in terms of lasting me to retirement age, um, but I'm 30 now and I'm probably at one of my peak times in terms of busyness. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I actually thought when I moved back to Australia it would slow down and um, for some reason it's just picked up, and which is fine and I guess plus-size models have a lot, lot more longevity in career. Um, which is pretty cool, but I couldn't do this forever because I would honestly go crazy. <laughs> and just the travelling is, I love, like, whilst I love travelling and I love going to new countries, you know, getting off a plane and going straight to a photo shoot after a 24-hour flight and working for three days straight and then that night getting back on a plane and flying. That's not seeing hours. another country. No, that's not no. because I've got another job in Australia, whereas if I get a couple of days off, then that's cool. But, I mean, yeah, it's, and it's, like if I have kids, which I plan on doing in the next few years, well, I can't just pack up and be like, see you, honey, I'm going to Germany for two weeks to work. It's just mm. not possible. So uh, I really, I always knew that I'd have to work on um, my career after modelling and I'm doing it now. I kind of wish I had started it a couple of years ago yeah. in a way, but I mean, whatever, it doesn't matter. Get in there now. And I'm, I'm so many steps in front of other people I know in the same industry that haven't even thought about what they want they don't know what their passions are which is quite a scary prospect whereas I know I want to work with the environment I want to make a difference I you know I want to help people that way um, and that environmental climate change ocean is really my passion and that's what I'm going to run with and make yeah. it work yeah and you know spending that time as my friend Cleo who's been on this show she said yeah you're making heart surgeon money and just gobs of free time yeah she was just like use that free time to exactly. skill up yeah, and that's what I've tried to um, tell some younger girls. Like just, you know, I was lucky I I completely finished my degrees and then modelled, whereas a lot of the girls coming in now are a lot younger. They're, you know, 
17, 18, starting full-time modelling, finishing school and not getting any qualifications behind them, not really understanding what they want to do, which is fine And if they finish modelling at 24. But if you continue, which you can in this industry, just to keep going, keep going, you get to 35, 36 and you're like, shit, what do I even like? Like, what do I even do with myself? I, you know, there's... You don't want to wait that long. But I think that would just apply to anybody who's not even a, like someone who works in the industry that you work in. Just finding what it is that you like. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard but it's super important. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, for me, it was easy. I knew I liked science and then it just progressed. And, it's, you know, in the last few years, I realised how much I want to work in that industry. But, I'm, yeah, I know so many people that just be like, I don't know what I really like. I don't know what I want to do. And But it is, it's. It's something that's super important and you don't actually, you know, you can't be expected when you're 18 and you finish school to be like, you need to go, I like this, so go do that degree. It's ridiculous. And, you know, you can change what you like and what you want to do a hundred times if you want, a thousand times, but you've kind of got to work work on it on finding out what it is that you like. So, you know, be proactive in doing that. Don't just sit around and think it's going to fall in your lap because it ain't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How in your career you've been full-time modelling for, what, seven, eight years now? Yeah, uh, seven years. Seven years. Yeah. How has Instagram, the I guess the basically the previously the, the magazines were the gatekeepers, mm-hmm. now the magazines are not the gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. Anyone who can take a good photo or have a good photo taken of them yeah. has the ability to publish themselves to millions more people and yes. these magazines have distribution. How have you seen that change how your business works? Um a lot, actually. I was quite against using social media when it first started and I really didn't want to have a presence as um, Laura the model. I um, yeah, tried to fight it until my agents were like, no, you really need to get on this. So I did and I've actually seen how much of a difference it makes and the outreach that I have to people. And it's quite positive, actually. I haven't really had anything negative come about it. But the amount of messages I get from people saying, oh, thank you, you know, it's great to see you and um, it's helped me work on myself or I've learned that I can do this, which is, you know, it's amazing and they're so they're heartwarming and really nice messages that I get. So I can see how much that actually works for people and um, that's a really nice feeling. But then, it, I mean, for people were following me because I was a model but then I was, you know, kind of using them as my minions and getting my fingers into them and be like, but what about the environment? You know, like use a reusable bag um, and kind of spreading my messages that way to people that probably wouldn't necessarily have got those messages or looked for those messages before. So I think that's really cool um, and that I have this awesome platform that I can do that to, you know, subconsciously get these messages out to these people and it's working. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that it though, you know? I say it all the time, you break into the machine and smash from the inside. Yeah, totally. That's It's cool. I mean, yeah, so social media, but, I mean, in terms of other people, um, you know, who might not be models, who might just be the young girl at home, there's social media can be super detrimental as well. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there that just is not good for people to look at. Um, and then, you know, you ha- now you have this influx of kind of like the home model as well, these girls that have hundreds of thousands of followers but uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily agree with what they're doing. Like there's a lot of selfie boob body shots that, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, what are they doing for humanity? It's not doing anything, is it? Like it's just, hey, here's here's my boobs and now you like me. Um, here's my I, butt in a mirror. Yeah, I just, I just don't get it and I'm just not into that unless it has like a totally 
like awesome message for people to understand themselves or help them through something but they're not there's just these there's a plethora of just boob shots everywhere that mean nothing to anyone and yeah if you're a 14 year old boy (laughs) well yeah okay it means something to you (laughs) it's helping um (laughs) but i know what you i know what you're saying are you you saying that well we spoke earlier about pop stars you know these women are using not only their voice, they're also using their sexuality to yeah. to market themselves, to either sing a song about love or, you know, perhaps spread a message about something else. Yeah. But are you saying that when it's I'm just using my sexuality for nothing for marketing? Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't get it. And a lot of these girls are just doing it, but they're not actually getting anything in return for it besides people like that little love heart going red and, you know, the mm. likes going up and it's self-fulfilling for them. But at the end of the day, that's not reality. You know, you walk outside and you're not going to have, you know, 3,000 people butt slap you and be like, damn, girl, you look good because that's what's happening on your phone. Um, and I think people really need to understand the difference between reality and, and this social media world. Like it's, that's not, it's not the real world. And people post on social media, their highlight reel. That's what it is. It's, quite a can be a false sense of self for a lot of people and you know people look at it and go whoa that person's awesome look they've just got the best life they're killing it whereas deep down inside or behind the scenes they might you know just have a shit ton of debt they might um hate themselves they might not like their body there's so many different ways that that can go behind the scenes that people aren't seeing and when people compare themselves to someone else's highlight reel and think oh well I'm not that good or I can't achieve that, or, you know, I don't have that in my life, then they're not getting the whole picture. So it can be great in some ways. It can be really bad in others. In university tests, scientific papers published on that Facebook can lead to sadness. Oh, yeah. Can lead, to, you actually feel worse off yeah, from using it. Yeah, like, oh, look what they're doing, and I'm not doing that. How come I'm not in Florence? Yeah. <laughs> or, or wherever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a great there's a great liberty in unfollowing people. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's like I, don't, I know this is not a real life, so I'm I'm, I'm getting away from that. Yeah, uh, I have taken up a lot of your time, so I do want to ask you have a lot of passion, as you said before, about you know climate change and the ocean, two things that are absolutely gargantuan, humongous problems that affect every single one of us. Mm-hmm. So huge, in fact, that we're almost paralyzed because what can I do? I can do nothing, therefore I won't do anything. Yeah. What, in your mind, particularly for the ocean, what mm-hmm. can people do today to make a difference? Today? Oh, so many little tiny things that actually do make a difference. So whatever you're thinking, it does make a difference. Those little things do count. Um, so reusable bags, easiest one that you can do. Instead of using plastic bags, use a reusable. Um, most of our plastic bags are used on average for 12 seconds <laughs> from the time you're actually carrying it, putting it down, carrying it, putting it down, 12 seconds. And then they go to landfill or go literally into the ocean. Um, Reusable water bottles, they are one of the best things that you can do. You don't need to buy water from a bottle, um, especially here in Australia and, you know, throughout Europe and the US. I mean, tap water is is fantastic. And if you buy it from a bottle, it's about 1,500 times the price as it is out of the tap. And those bottles, if you fill them up a third of the way with oil, that's how much oil it took to create that bottle. It's ridiculous. So, and they end up in landfill or the ocean as I pick them up every week. Um, so bags, bottles, uh, reusable, they're all, they're the 
two best ways that people can actually do something that's great for the ocean. And just pick up three pieces of plastic whenever you walk down the street or walk on the beach or the park. If you see it, just pick it up and put it in the bin because that eventually does lead to the ocean. Yeah. Plastic. Plastic. Yeah. It's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, the, and the best at the same time. Was it every piece of plastic that's ever been manufactured is still in existence? Exactly. It just it never goes away. It just breaks down. Um, it's and tinier even, and tinier and tinier pieces. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and last year I was really uh, fortunate to go to Lord Howe Island and work with a um, scientist there, Dr. Jen Lavers, on shearwater birds and we were flushing out the chicks. So um, the chicks that had been born, their parents had been feeding them and they were about to fledge and leave the nest and we had to go in there and stick a little tube down their throat, fill them up with water and make them expel the food in their guts because the majority of it is plastic and they're actually going to die in their nest if they don't get it out. So we were doing that and there's so much plastic in these chicks' stomachs because their parents are bringing it back thinking it's food and it's just off the surface of the ocean and they don't know any different. So that's what's happening to all those pieces of plastic that end up in the ocean. They're breaking down and animals are eating them, getting entangled, yeah. Lots of new problems. And you do a clean up every week? Yeah, we have a uh, clean up group in Cronulla. Uh, during winter, we're just once a month because of the weather. But um, summertime, every Sunday afternoon, we're down there with whoever wants to come and join. And it's half an hour and we just get bags full of plastic and rubbish. It's actually quite disgusting to see what people leave at the beach. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's interesting, but we always feel really good after it. It's half an hour of our day and, yeah, it's awesome. So good. Um, look, I'm, I'm really grateful you came today. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for coming mm-hmm. and thanks so much for, you know, I know we're far away from where you are. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to travelling, so this is nice. Well, I'm, 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 I'm really grateful that you came. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been really interesting. Thanks. And I'm, I'm grateful that um, we were able to talk about the things we did. I, mean, I think it's, it's, it's really important to, to have these conversations, especially now. Oh, yeah. You know, now that this one's in my life, I look at the stuff she looks at. I'm, you know, I'm fuddy-duddy man. <laughs> How is this affecting you? Don't watch that mechanic Minaj. No, 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 no. That's fake, you understand. She's had it implanted. Which she has. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it's hard. It's super hard. I, don't, I think it just comes from parents and outside influences and more media speaking up and saying, you've got to, you know, change this. So, so okay, well, final question. We'll get out on this. What is... It's a big question and it's not very long. Okay. What's a healthy weight? Oh, that is a hard question though because it's different for everyone. Um, I think a healthy weight is something that you are happy about um, and your body is happy about in terms of um, healthiness, the way you function, um, toxins in your body, the way, you know, your organs function, all of that sort of thing. So it's very scientific and it's scientific, medical and psychological all wrapped into one. And I mean, for me, I'm at a healthy weight, not only healthy BMI, but healthy psychologically about the way I feel about myself and what I can do. Um, But yeah, it changes for everyone. I mean, some people at a size 22 feel that they're at a healthy weight and they might love themselves and be happy with themselves. Science may and medical um, might say different things, but I mean, yeah, I, I think you've just what goes in, what goes out, um, both mentally and physically, is something that's really important and to be healthy. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> 
I guess it is a little like, in a way, the parallel would be with, with the ocean thing we're talking about with the mm -hmm. plastic. It's like you can put little pieces of crappy food in your body, but eventually it's going to build up. Yeah. Eventually a pancreas will just go, ah, fuck you. Yeah. And then boom, type 2 diabetes <laughs> and you're getting your feet amputated. Yeah. And, you know, just because you drank a lot of big soda. You know, yes, which is just what you see. Oh yeah, especially living in America. Oh my god! Control. Oh my god! I'm sure you. If you sat in Chicago O'Hare Airport, oh, yes. for an hour, <laughs> you just look around and go, popcorn and soda. Dear God, <laughs> when you see in America, when you see the double wide wheelchairs at the airport, you know what I'm talking about. It's like you know when you go to Costco and you see those big. Uh, Shopping trolleys, yeah. and you go, oh, that's for you know, because we're buying a lot of stuff at Costco. There's there's wheelchairs at the airport in Chicago yep. that are twice the width of a regular yeah, wheelchair. It's scary, and and for me, that shouldn't become normalized. No, because I feel like that perpetuates the problem. Um, I don't think so. We're just going off a tangent now, but no, no, that's um, right. with that's the plus size for. community, we sometimes um, get told that we're um, encouraging obesity or promoting obesity and if you look at me then that's not what I'm doing at all especially with my body shape and body type I'm not doing that at all um, but there are forms of plus size modeling that I would say are doing that I mean there's girls out there that are very very large and overweight girls very happy with themselves um, happy with where they're at in their lives happy with their body and you know and that's the way they want to be but I, for me personally, I don't think we should be normalising that because it, to me it's not healthy and that's not the way our bodies were meant to be. We're hunter-gatherers. If you look back, like, you know, we used our bodies. We walked 40 kilometres a day because we had to get our food and, and we had to get our water and that's where we lived and how, we, and how our bodies and our physiques were meant to be. Um, so by – and I know we actually do need to have those double-sized wheelchairs because they do serve a purpose, but – um, in terms of normalising that and promoting that within the media, I, I don't agree with it. I will, I will concur. Yeah. I was, uh, it's always at airports, I guess, because that's where, you know, you, yeah. you tend to see members of the public outside of your demographic community where mm -hmm. you might see the local shopping centre or the local circle of travel around yeah. your, your week if you have a re fairly, um, you know, stable routine life like most people on the planet. Um, <laughs> I saw this guy the other day. He looked like he was 32, maybe, and he looked about four years from death. Yeah. I swear, this guy was so huge. Yeah. And it looked like his heart was just going to explode. He was one staircase away from from just his arteries just bursting. Yeah. I, I, I like that is it's so it's so dangerous, but it's so easy. It's, mm -hmm. And I get it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. You feel shit about yourself, so you eat. Yeah. And you feel shit about yourself, so you eat. That vicious then, cycle. Then, <laughs> and, it, and it just can't, it doesn't get any, Yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. And, yeah, I can see how that can happen too. Um, and it's God, really I, I was like, I was. that's how I was when I was a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's sad, but it's, yeah, that's like going back into delving deeper into why it's happening where it needs to come from and yeah. you know people don't always have the time or don't understand or don't want to yeah. um but at the end of the day yet yeah, normalizing it is not cool and promoting it it's not cool and it's a drain on other people it's a drain on society it's a drain on resources and yeah it's on your families on everyone um 
and I think people really need to understand that. Yeah. You see, Jay Moore, I love this guy, he's a great podcaster. You see old smokers. Mm-hmm. You never see old fat people. Yeah. It's true. It is. It really, really, it's true. I'm trying to think. I'm like, okay. no, you'll Who's see people. That I know? You'll see people in their 80s who are still smoking. You yeah. go, well, okay. Yeah, they're super. Some people do it. <laughs> Never see someone who's 80 something and mm. weighs 120 kg. Yeah. No, they're dead. Yeah. Dead, dead. Mm. So yeah, yeah, that's where I stand on it. And I have a documentary coming out on plus size modeling um, next year. You're making it? No, I was part of it. Oh. Um, it's called A Perfect 14 and it's made by two Canadian um, producers and they came to Australia to film me uh, at the beginning of the year and followed me through Spain and Berlin last year. And, um, yeah, it's really interesting. It's talking about the plus-size modelling world um, and why we are called plus-size, what it's all about and, yeah, talking about different notions of how quite how it is quite diverse in terms of sizes and body shapes with the models and, you know, what it really means and, and why magazines don't tend to use plus size women and and what it is with the media and, and high fashion brands. So um yeah, it should be really exciting actually. I am fascinated. Mm. Perfect fourteen? Yes. When's it out? Um we're hoping uh the beginning of next year. Sweet as lots of editing to do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, thanks so much. I'm gonna take your photo. Are you gonna be okay with that? Yes. I never have photos to <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was Laura Wells. Find her on Instagram at I am Laura Wells. I A M L A U R A W E L S. Let her know you heard her here. Go find her on Instagram and say, hey, heard you on the show. Please subscribe to this show if you'd like to hear me again on your phone next week, just magically appearing in your pocket, just there while you walk around doing things in the car, wherever you're listening to this on the bus. Some rainbow lorikeets just flew past my window. I love how they always fly in pairs. I do. I really like that. That's really nice. Uh, yeah, so subscribe. I'll see you next week. Look after your hearing. Please look after your hearing. Enjoy the S's and the T's, the syllables that I can't hear. And I'll see you next week. I'll hear you next week. Uh, if you need to email me, send Osher email at gmail.com or find me on Facebook. You know where to find me. All right. Take care of each other and yourself. I sound like Jerry's name. Sleep well and dream of beautiful things. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.